and welcome to the Crew Review Podcast, a Columbus Crew post-game show where me and another writer from Massive Report review the crew. I'm your host, Andrew Atkins, and joining me today is, get this, two very special co-hosts. They're, they're actually two fan favorites, and uh, I'm really excited to have both of them on at the same time, and I- I'm going to be honest, the reason we're, we're doing it this way not only is because we love the, the extra co-host, but it's also because the originally scheduled co-host and I have very little voice to work with today. So introducing first, he is an elite, an elite guest, the first ever member of the five-time club. He's a man that I was caught hugging on national television. He is none other than Tommy Flipflops, Thomas Costello. How you doing today? I, I just learned about this hug from you um, just moments ago, and that's that's pretty scandalous. I think that's really gonna, I think that's really gonna make a tear through the social medias. I feel really good. I feel, I've got a few hours of sleep in me, as you can hear. Uh, my voice is a little worse for the wear. <laughs> my 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 wife, uh, when I came home last night, she was like, "When we go to matches, like you do, yell." But I feel like you yell considerably more when I'm not there. And I can I can I can vouch for that because I yelled um, quite a bit, and then with the mask on, I felt like I had to, like uh, I was overcompensating for the mask. Let's put it that way. So I was probably yelling even more than I needed to because we were we did stay within our area and stuff. Um, although the hugging, I'm sure that's not within six feet, but um, it's okay. We we were all we were all medically cleared prior to engaging in. Um, said merriment so I'm, I'm really stoked though i mean i, I it's still kind of hitting me that i was there and i saw it happen live and in person and i thought about uh another another former co-host who was there with us was adam miller and i i considered inviting him on the pod but i can guarantee you being next to him the entire match that man isn't going to speak again for a month so he's not probably and- doing well this morning <laughs> No, I checked up on him. He, he said he's struggling. So instead, what we did is we, we thought, hey, our good friend, someone we really get along with and someone who can bring in a, a different perspective because he was screaming and hollering, but he was doing it from the safety of his couch. It is a, a former co-host, a good friend of ours. It is none other than Doug Hildreth. Doug, how are you doing today? Well, I'm a little um, dried out, um, but I, thankfully... I guess I, I had to, I, I was sitting, sitting quietly. I had a, a wife and a, and a two-year-old upstairs sleeping. So I was jumping up and down and miming, but my voice is nice and well rested, but uh, incredible, incredible. Um, you know, I, I celebrated obviously quietly, um, but a little bit extra. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little dried out, but I'm going to make it through. Well, I hope that you're in the, the right mindset to carry this podcast today because we're going to, I think Thomas and I are going to tucker out about five, five to 10 minutes in. So I uh, look guys, introductions out of the way. This is something that uh, I, I'm really looking forward to. And I think, I think it's a segment that's going to carry through the entire podcast, but introductions out of the way, we got to get into the first segment of the night, a little thing I like to call emotional overreactions. So Thomas, I'm going to go to you first. Shut off that analytical side of your brain. Reach down into your heart. Pretend that you're on Twitter and spew out the first thing that comes to your mind. What is your emotional overreaction to Columbus Crew winning the MLS Cup? I, 
I'm struggling because I feel like how do you over how do you emotionally overreact to winning a championship to you know achieving the goal? I uh, I feel like my reactions are spent. My emotions are spent right now. It's just I saw I'm into the lethargic moment right now. I saw it live it, in person. It was the same as mine, the same as Adams, the same as uh, a friend of ours named Zach. It was tears. It was tears, and it was in the middle of a global pandemic, hugging a stranger too. <laughs> I did not hug any strangers, but I was. <laughs> I hope I hugged you first, Andrew. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I now it's to speak to that. Like, yeah, I was standing there, and I. I usually try to like, and you see this at events now, you go to concerts, you go to sporting events. It's like, okay, I need to take a million photos. I need to take video. I need to capture everything that's happened. Like last night I was like, no, just, just stand there and just enjoy it. So I just tried to like through the celebration, through everything. I tried my best to just stand there and enjoy. It. And there are moments where it's just like, I have goosebumps now even talking about it. It's just like, oh, it, it got me in all the feels. Got me in all the feels. So my emotional reaction is, I don't have any left. Understandable. And uh, Doug, a completely different perspective. You watched it on TV. What was, uh, what was your emotional overreaction? Um, it's just, I mean, it's like, like, like Thomas said, it's, it's so hard to do anything but emotionally overreact with this. Um, especially this, this particular, this is like, a, this is like something you'd, you'd see in a movie where, they, you know, a couple of years ago, I was talking to my wife about this this morning that, you know, I remember being in my kitchen reading the first tw- uh, tweets about this team leaving. And I was, and at the time I was not as, as fully, fully committed to this team. And I was like, oh man, that kind of sucks. You know, that, that'd be, that's a, that's a really f- good thing for the city to have and, and to watch it grow and, and to, to kind of jump on as, as it was gaining momentum and, and now feeling feeling fully entrenched to see it not even end like this this isn't this isn't the end this is this is this is practically the very beginning of this run and so mm-hmm. i can't i can't wait to see what this team is going to look like next year i can't wait to ho- hopefully 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 um be able to be part of a, a full mafre stadium and then a full beautiful new crew stadium um, to, to watch this team go, going ahead. Um, it's like, it, it's exactly what you want your sports team to do. This is, this is the dream. Like this is, there's no heartbreak here. There's no, uh, there's no, you know, there, there was a lot of hard work going into it, but like, this is, this is Cinderella story or I don't, I don't even, I, I can't, I can't put, put words into it, but it's just, it's just what you would want your sports team that you're a fan of to do. That's what you want. It's one of the greatest sports stories of all time. And my emotional overreaction is I'm going to, I'm going to jump in the way back machine here. Uh, Thomas, I think you know where I'm going to uh, February 21st, 2020. Uh. An article was published on massive report authored by one Andrew Atkins that said Columbus crew will win the 2020 MLS cup. I know it. And here's why I know it. I, I want to redirect. What was one of the reasons? What was one of the reasons? Was I remember a certain player being one of the reasons why they'd win? 
I'm gonna. If you're gonna criticize all of my reasoning, I'm gonna ask you to direct me to your post uh, preseason article declaring that Columbus Crew is gonna win the MLS Cup because I don't remember seeing it. But my emotional overreaction is if you uh, if you wanna start doing some sports betting and you wanna enlist my services, uh, just just catch up with me after the podcast. But I'm gonna tell you what. Like Thomas said, I, I kind of left it all in the stadium. I mean, how do you overreact to this? It's it's one of the greatest sports stories ever told. I mean, to save the team and then have a year like we did last year was disappointing. But then you make all the right moves in the offseason. Maybe not all the right moves. We did sign Fernando Adi. But then you make all most We're not the paying right for it. All- <laughs> right. So – I guess it's the right move because we still stuck FC Cincinnati with a, a very large a very large chunk of change. But you make all the right moves. You come into a season where what a roller coaster of a season. I mean, it starts off so strong. Then the shutdown happens. Then they come back so strong. The best defense in the league. And then for a stretch there, it's like we lose to teams like Montreal and teams like Cincinnati. And, and you start thinking, oh, no. What, what's going on? What's happening? And then you end the season the same way you started the season, by just shutting teams out left and right. Three shutouts in a row. Three nothing against the, the team that was supposed to be the dynasty. We were supposed to be the underdogs. And I'll tell you what, from Montfrey Stadium, it didn't look like we were underdogs last night. That, that was so, a comprehensive performance. There was, there was nothing, you know, there was a short stretch at the beginning of the second half. But other than that, man, that was, I, I felt like it was all crew all the time. And yeah, also, and too, something, it. well, yeah, real quick, too, that 3-0 margin you talk about, that no one had ever won MLS Cup with a margin that large. That's the largest winning margin in MLS Cup history. And that was without your starting, you know, the player that is heralded as the best player on the team. And also one of your best offensive weapons, um, and you won that compre- it, it, comprehensive. Isn't even like the best word for it. It was an annihilation. It was you should not usually. What do you connect cup finals to? They're usually really kind of ugly games. They're scrappy. You get some ugly goals, and it ends up being one zero or one one, and you go into penalties and stuff like that. This was like a a June regular season match where one team is just like feeling it. And the other team's like, eh, we have the rest of the season. It'll be okay. I traveled a really far away like that. Well, the sports, that's what the that was pundits, last night. The sports pundits called for an annihilation. Uh, Lexi Lawless gave it a three, one scoreline, but uh, unfortunately they called for the wrong team to be annihilated. But let's get into it. I apologize. I had to throw that out there. Absolutely. Let's emotions out of the way, which like I said, how are emotions gonna be out of the way for this podcast or for for the next several months, three months until we get back into the season? We're gonna ride this emotional high. But for for the sake of this podcast, let's let's get right into the crew review for Columbus Crew SC taking on the Seattle Sounders and the MLS freaking cup in the last ever postseason game at Mopfrey Stadium. Your starting 11 looked like this. End goal, we had Eloy Room, which uh, there was conversation to be had about should it be Room or should it be the, the hot hand Tarbell. I, 
I think Room finished that conversation pretty decisively last night. And then defensively, we had Harrison Awful, Jonathan Mensah, Josh Williams, and Milton Valenzuela. The defensive midfield was Artur and Aiden Morris, who was the other uh, who would replace Darlington Nagby question. And oh, I can't wait to talk about Aiden Morris. Uh, and then uh, the, the attacking midfield, Luis Diaz, Lucas Zellerion, Derek Etienne Jr. making his return from his little uh, – two-game absence, and again, I, another player I can't wait to talk about. <laughs> and the striker, the one and only, yes, he's our does. Uh, how did you guys feel? How did you feel about the starting 11? It was uh, two games before the Cup. We find out Darlington Nagby and Pedro Santos, both been confirmed at this point, self-identified with COVID-19. I, what a hit, what a punch to the gut. How did you guys feel? a couple of days removed from that news when you saw the, the 11, the crew put on the pitch with try to take the, uh, the hindsight 2020 three nil victory out of your mind. Just when you saw that Thomas, I'll go to you first. Oh, Hey, well the Aloy room and Andrew Tarbell, I don't know who was ever questioning it. I would never feed that sort of conversation. <laughs> it was always Aloy room. It was always going to be him. No, he, uh, he stepped up, um, he stepped up huge in the. I remember in the second half, I think it was a, a cross into the box where it was. It looked like Seattle was going to be on the other side. They were just waiting, and you, he just he picked it. He picked it like you know you've seen him do throughout the season. It, like you like you said, this is nothing to Andrew Tarbo because he had eight saves in two matches and he had shutouts in two rounds of the playoffs. Um, but no, his his he was comprehensive. Aiden Morris, shoot, he was the best Morris on the field by far. Uh, Jordan Morris was uh, did not have a great match, and Luis Diaz was in uh, Brad Smith's pocket the whole night. He was making him look just angry and frustrated. They they just made Seattle look so discombobulated. They looked so disheveled last night. Um, and I don't know if it was maybe I, – I don't know how well the crowd came over TV it, watching the matches and being there last night and actually being at a couple matches this season too. Um, the crowd usually was like sitting down and pay, right. like being very nice and watching it. I, I don't know how it came across on TV, Doug, but everybody was standing up. It felt like it was pretty loud considering how many people you had there. It, uh, yeah, I thought it came. You, you guys sh- showed out strong, you know. And you think about what fifteen hundred people in there. I feel like yeah. they might have stretched that a little bit because okay. I think if you include family and everything. Okay. okay, so probably around okay. like eighteen to nineteen hundred, I guess total. Yeah, that's still not a lot of people, and that was a lot of noise. And and <clears throat> you know, I think that's one of the things that makes the the Mafray Stadium experience. So great is is when you get a full throated supporter section going for it. It it can be a little intimidating. I think selling to yeah. like the behind the scenes, they sold the Nordeca tickets to Nordeca supporters groups. Like if you bought tickets, you had to have a Nordeca membership. Or if the supporters groups, if they sold individual tickets, they were selling to their members, and all of those tickets were in the corner. I think that was planned out for a reason. I don't I don't have any insider information. But it would make sense that the front office ticket sales were like, hey, if we're going to give these tickets to them, we're going to give them that corner. Um, but no, throughout the, throughout the lineup, too, 
there really wasn't a sore spot. I know you said last week, Andrew, and I listened to the episode, was that uh, you weren't going to do a worst, uh, a best worst tonight. There really, you couldn't pinpoint a part in the lineup where it was like, oh, I'm nervous if they get the ball. I'm nervous if somebody pressures them because it was just a, an all around solid performance. They were so focused. I'm going to share a quick little story. I noticed this and I, at the match, I, I made a mental memory of it just so I could bring it back up today. It was um, when they scored the first two goals, that was on the North end. They celebrated, you know, the guys did their celebration, but they didn't run over to the Nordeca. They weren't like, okay, everybody, let's get pumped up. Like They were so focused last night. Whatever Caleb Porter said to them <laughs> before the match or leading up to it, they, they were ready to go. It wasn't until the 66th minute where I think it was the ball went out for a goal kick or something like that. Milton Valenzuela, first time any player outside of practice and like a little nice wave. Milton Valenzuela turns around to the Nordeca and acknowledges him, and he's like, all right. And then he was trying to pump up the corner. That was the first time in the 66th minute that they were actually like, you could see where they were like, okay, this is it. We're almost there. But before that, it was just laser-focused. Store a goal, celebrate, get back to the line. Let's keep going. They did not take anything for granted. Like You, you could imagine a Minnesota team being up 2-0 was like, yeah, we're doing great. Columbus has a team of a lot of experienced players, and I think that that showed last night. And an experienced head coach. I think this maturity, a lot of this maturity can be attributed to Caleb Porter. I did, uh, this morning I tried to watch back the match. I, I wasn't able to pay full attention to it, but I watched back and it was uh, late into the second half before the third goal where they showed Caleb Porter looking just as pissed off as ever. I mean, you could not tell that we were winning that match based off of Caleb Porter's face. And I think that mentality goes through the team where, you know, Seattle is a team that just came back last week in, in what, 15 minutes over a 2-0 yeah. deficit to make it to this point. And Columbus knew that, and Columbus played like that. So getting into the match, uh, did we ever – did we go to Doug? Doug, I'm sorry. Me and Thomas, no, we just okay. love to talk. <laughs> No, I'm no, it's I, you know, I, I agree with what you said. And if you think about this lineup, I'll real quick, I'll just say this if you think about this lineup, and if you put like I find it hard to find a spot for Darlington Nagby and Pedro Santos, and I'm only half joking with that, but like there was no drop off, you know, like trying to imagine what this lineup would have looked like with two of our best players, and and yeah, I was. I was nervous. Um, I, you know, I, I did not, I thought Porter was going to go with um, the, the slightly more experienced Fatia Lache, which he ended up going with, with the sub, but you know, I, I, he, he clearly had confidence in, in Aiden Morris and there's a reason why. And you can tell that this team believes in Porter. You, you can tell that they've bought into his system and, and his philosophy because you know, like you guys said, it, they they were playing like a system, and it was comprehensive. And I think right. it can be easy to overcome if you if you believe in a full system, you can overcome you know the fire a little bit easier if, if you if you stay committed that to that system. And there's a reason that uh, Aiden Morris mirrored Darlington Nagby as much as he did, and they talked about that. Aiden Morris is 
basing his style of play off of working with and watching Darlington Nagby. They said that uh, Aiden Morris and Darlington Nagby sit down and go over tapes together, and Nagby will tell Morris where he could improve and what he could work on. And Morris is just soaking that knowledge up from Darlington Nagby. And 19 years old, the youngest player to ever start an MLS Cup, and by God, if he didn't do the best Darlington Nagby impression I've ever seen <laughs> on that pitch. But throughout the season, too, he's played He's played good this season. He's played well. You've seen moments yep. of, of youth. And you, well, I mean, what, three years ago, he's holding up a Save the Crew sign with the Academy players. Like, so, and this is a, he's a 19-year-old kid. Like, he's almost half my age, which is really depressing as I say that out loud. Um, he, like, he's shown this throughout the entire season. I'm going to say now, we're not we're past motion overreactions. But if he can play like this, first, like, he needs to get more time. He needs to get more playing time. But Greg Berhalter, you need to be watching this kid. You need to be watching Absolutely. him. Absolutely. And it's hard. It's going to be hard for Aiden Morris to get minutes on the pitch with Darlington Nagby on this team. But, man, he deserves it. He deserves some play time. And he showed up huge, as did at the end. And let's – Let's forego the typical highlight, highlight, highlight. Let's let's talk about the big deals because this podcast, with with how we're all feeling, it could go two hours easy, uh, but <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. So the match starts, and it's all Columbus. I mean, that was the, the big talking point going in, is, is Columbus going to sit back and defend and look for a hot counter? Columbus absolutely dominated, and they came out – in a different style than we're used to seeing with Crew, where I believe the end result was 35% possession from Crew. But, man, when they had the ball, they made it count. And they came out just guns blazing. It took, what, it was 25 minutes of just constant pressure before Crew ends up finding the back of the net with a, a cross from Awful, a one-touch finish from Zellerion. Huh. Uh, Stephen Fry had already come up with a big save at that point. He almost saves the ball, gets a hand on it, and it deflects behind him uh, into the back of the net. One-nil crew. I uh, I jumped up onto the, the bleacher in front of me and shout out to uh, to – Adam Miller for saving my life because I instantly lost my balance and almost fell down. And then uh, they hoisted me onto their shoulders and, and saved my life. But what a moment, what a moment to, to take the lead uh, after, you know, the last MLS cup where I can't say it started that well for Columbus crew last time we were here. So how did, how did you feel Doug after we, we went up one, nothing. I, you know, I think if in, in, Certain situations with this team, I would have felt a lot less confident. But like you said, how overwhelming they were those first 20 minutes, you felt like this is, okay, let's get this started. It's, it's exactly what you want, that kind of overwhelming performance that then creates a goal. Because all too often with, with how fluky soccer can be, you can have that overwhelming performance and nothing's, nothing's connecting. And mm -hmm. to connect early on, and and at the bees, Ryan, I I don't mean to be I don't mean to be Mr. Canodal here, but I had this <laughs> feeling, and it maybe just just from me trying to play trying to play this game on FIFA a couple times, and like I felt I felt like if we were going to win, we were going to need a big performance from Zellerion, and I, this was I think Absolutely. the best best of the year, and and what we should expect, and you know 
coming out of it, I felt, you know, obviously there was a lot of, lot of soccer to play, but it, it was exactly, exactly the start the crew needed. Yeah. I was worried about, uh, oh, after you. Uh, I, was, I was just going to say, Zellerion only played one match this season and this was it. He was worth $7 million. <laughs> Uh, go ahead. Right. No, right. I after the first goal went in, which it was, you know, Fry got a hand on it and it, it kind of squeaked in. And ugly goals still give you the same amount on the scoreboard as pretty goals do from, you know, twenty yards out. Um he uh, uh when the goal went in, I felt excitement. But as soon as that excitement died down, it was just nerves. I was so nervous at that point. I was like, oh man. Is this when they lose focus? Are we going to score a goal? Um, and then we're going to, you know, maybe rest a little bit. Not not, not, not a ton, because that one goal is not a very big cushion. I probably felt more nervous after the second goal, because I was like, okay, what yeah. are we going to do? How are we going to play now? Are we going to rest on our laurels? Are we just going to try to sit back? Because we're going to get into the second goal. But after the first one, man, I, um, I was really excited, but I thought, that's great. <laughs> but how long can we sustain this type? type of play yeah and I think I think you hit the nail on the head with every goal I got more nervous instead of more comfortable uh, all the way up until the third goal I just kept saying we need another goal we need another goal because you just kept thinking that uh, when we scored it's going to light this fire under Seattle and they're gonna they're gonna be that MLS Cup Seattle Sounders so the first goal it was awesome it was so great to celebrate it and be at Montfrey and just that eruption I've I've been at Montfrey a couple times this season and it didn't feel like Montfrey the Nordeca never felt like the Nordeca tonight I'll tell you 1500 people felt like 15,000 so it was amazing and an amazing feeling but like you said it was just instantly like oh crap what's Seattle gonna do about this I know crew have been in control but what's Seattle going to do in response? And what Seattle did in response was uh, six minutes later, they let another goal be scored. It was uh, <laughs> a ball is crossed in, Seattle heads it out, falls to Zellerion, and uh, just a great pass to Etienne, who the composure, the just patience where Etienne lines his shot up, picks his point, and nails it perfectly at the, uh, the far right bottom corner of the net where Stephen Fry, who – Man, you got to do work to beat Stefan Fry. I'm going to give credit where it's due. And mm. Etienne just did work perfectly placed. 2 nothing crew. And, Thomas, I'll go to you first on this one, man. What did this do to you? We, the way where, where our seats were set, we were in Section 140. So we were right there in the, in the Nordeca in the corner there. When his shot went in, well, first before that, whenever the ball deflects, Awful crosses it in. Seattle gets in the way of it. Gets to Zellerion. A hundred percent of people in that situation were thinking, "Shoot!" We're thinking, "Shoot the ball!" Because Zellerion's right there. No one's around him. He's got a couple yards of space. No one like he he has the the time to do it. And then he crosses. We're like, "What are you doing?" Like for a half second, you have that moment of doubt. But then you realize that they get paid million. Well, he gets paid millions of dollars to play. Um, but from our angle in our seats, when that shot went in. You just see it go past Fry, and it almost like slows down. For me, it like slowed down. I was like, "Oh my God, it's happening!" And then as soon as it goes across uh, across the line, it hits that side netting. We're just like, we're going nuts. We're just going crazy. And and I said it a moment ago. After the excitement died down again, I felt really nervous. I was like, "Okay, we're up to you can't." It, 
you always hear that it's tiring to just play defense. It's tiring to just try to sit back and absorb pressure. I was like, do not, do not absorb pressure. We have a lot of match left to go. We still had what at that point, 50 some minutes left. And um, I was just excited. You went into halftime thinking, okay, this is how you want to go into halftime. But um, again, the, the nerves were there. I was excited, but still uh, cautiously optimistic at that point. I still kept thinking back to that damn Minnesota match. Oh, 75th, it, it minute, so, 75th minute was ingrained in my head. 75th minute was just stuck in my head. I, I was going to say it had real estate. It had real estate in our head. Go ahead, Doug. That was, I mean, and, and for those watching it on TV, that was a huge part of the narrative the entire second half. Like, whoa, you know, can Seattle do it again? And, and it didn't help that it was exactly that, that deficit, 2 nothing. Like, you're, you have that in the back of your head. I was not as nervous. Um, I felt like as long as the crew continued that overwhelming play, I, you know, flukes can happen, but there would have, there would have had to have been a lot of fluke to have to, to make two goals happen, which is possible with Seattle. But I was, I was a little more confident. Maybe I was just, just stupid and, and naive, but I was, <laughs> I was feeling pretty good. Well, and Seattle's coach was interviewed shortly after the half. And he said, you know, uh, whoever was interviewing him said, you came back from two nil against Minnesota. How you feeling? And, and he even said, this is a different team. This is a different team than Minnesota. You could tell he wasn't feeling great, but so we go into halftime with crew, just continuing their, their dominating performance throughout the first half. And like, like Doug said, if you listen to the narrative being spun on Fox, it was all the way up until the third goal, the narrative was, well, how's Seattle going to win this game? I mean, no matter yeah. how dominant crew was, the narrative is, okay, well, what's going to, what's the change that's going to happen for Seattle to win this game? And it's like, that's, but that's the crew, right? That's the narrative constantly as well. How are crew going to lose? How, how's this better, more, more sexy team going to win? So going into halftime, I know I felt so good that I completely forgot that we were going to try to do a uh, live crew review halftime show. So that never happened. How did, how did you feel watching the whole? I felt good. You know, it's, it's, it's exactly how you wanted that team to perform. You know, I, 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 there was literally nothing I would have changed about that first half, um, you know, except like 10 more goals, but you know, (laughs) they were, they were, they were overwhelming. They were, comprehensive Zalarayan looked great a room looked great you, you know the, the, it was a top to bottom great performance and I, I even said to a, a buddy of mine coming out of halftime the crew I almost wish they didn't stop playing just play straight 90 because you know they they were they were a rock rolling down a hill and and halftime at, right after half I think was the only time that I felt like Seattle controlled any play and I, I could I could have been happier with that with that first half. Yeah, I didn't you, sit Tom? down at halftime. I didn't sit down at halftime. Like people were sitting down, like okay, you got to rest for the second half. I just I, I couldn't sit down. I I could like I just felt so much, um, maybe not adrenaline because that's a very specific you know rush. But I was just I felt so wired. And I just, I, I couldn't sit, I didn't rest. I, I brought, thankfully I brought a bottle of water because I definitely needed it at halftime. And I drank like half of that bottle. I don't, it's, I don't think I ever saw the bottle of water again. I don't know where it went, um, but I, I drank about half of the bottle. And um, 
and I just stood there and I was just kind of looking around and we, we were talking and stuff. We tried to do a meetup with the other massive report folks. Um, if you're on the massive report slack, a lot of big talk about meeting up in the slack didn't come to fruition. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we did our best. Um, we tried. We, we, well, we, we tried, but we tried. I'm calling out everybody else. No, it was, no, we, we went over to like the media section. We got pushed away, rushed away. Um, which I understand the the protocols. I have to give credit to like the folks who are working the match. It's hard to keep a group of thousands of people like in line. And I just quick shout out to all the folks who worked it. They did an amazing job. All the fe- people at Montfrey Stadium. It was amazing. But no, I was just waiting for the second half. And then there was a picture that folks caught on TV, and Brian Brian me account posted it. Good pal Brian Caves. He posted a picture of like. Uh, of me holding half of the like part of the flag and I'm just staring at the scoreboard everyone's looking at the field and I'm looking at the scoreboard the entire second half I was just I would see what was going on in the field and I would look back at the scoreboard field scoreboard I, I didn't go anywhere else except for field scoreboard I was looking at the time because after halftime it was just okay we have 45 minutes okay now we have 40 minutes okay now we have 35 minutes and it was yeah. um, I, I, that's how I was feeling coming into the second half it's hilarious that you say that because uh, Adam was sitting right next to me. We, you and I had uh, a person in between us. Zach was in between us from uh, Queen Anne's Revenge. And I was giving Adam constant updates on how long was left in the match. That's, I was the same exact way where uh, I needed to get past 75 minutes. That was like the <laughs> thing in my in my chest that need I had to get past seventy five minutes before I was gonna start feeling really good. So I was I was constantly uh, talking to Adam and hey hey twenty minutes left ten minutes and he just kept saying shut up shut up but I couldn't I couldn't stop just watching the clock. So I will say uh, Doug, you said you wish they could have played a straight ninety. Well, there's a reason for a halftime and it's so clubs can get some rest and regroup and that's exactly what Seattle did as much as the first half was crew the first 20 minutes of the second half uh, there's a reason that the Sounders have won two MLS cups and they came out and they uh, they put the pressure on and they went hard I think room ended up having to come up with two saves within the first 20 minutes almost had to save a ball from Harrison awful who uh, there was a cross in and awful. I don't know if he was trying to play it to room, if he was just trying to make sure it didn't get to Seattle. He gets his foot on it, and it it almost goes in the net. That was the one, one or two little instances from awful. Who otherwise though, we're not going to get into every player of this match and all of their great moments because uh, literally every every eleven of the starting eleven had so many moments. The defense. This is that defense we saw at the beginning of the year, just so sound and so just such a brick wall, so cohesive. And Harrison Awful, a couple mistakes, but again, just a, a very, a very comprehensive performance from Awful. So we had the twenty minutes of just it was it was sketchy to me. How how did you guys feel during those twenty when we see Seattle getting shots on target or shots just wide? But uh, it seemed like crew just they'd get the ball and do a quick little attack, but then it was just all Seattle for twenty straight. How, how did you feel, Thomas? I uh, we were on that side of the field whenever they were attacking when Seattle was, and all of those near misses, all of those that like 
just on the other side of the post or Ayla gets like a fingertip to it. It, um, I had a, a few, few minor heart attacks might not have registered on modern, um, medical equipment, but I felt like there was a few heart attacks in there where it was like, Oh, Oh God, I think I've, I hit Zach a few times. Sorry, Zach. Um, it was, <laughs> it was a little nervy. They were getting in positions. There were some that they skied over the net where they had time. They, they could have, they could have scored some goals if they were on a, if they were having a better night. I think that they, maybe Seattle was off in a combination of the defense too. Cause you mentioned the defense and like Mensa in the Eastern conference final, there were a couple moments where it was like, Oh, he seemed a little nervous in the, in the conference final. But last night he was just shut down. I mean, Josh Williams, I think I maybe saw like one minor mistake in the midfield where he gave one up, but even then he, Mensa was right there. They were always covering it. There were some times when the ball was a lot of times, I should say, where Josh is going up to head it and Mensa's right behind him. Like they were, they had each other's back the entire night. Um, and I think yeah. maybe that's what hurt Seattle so much is that when they did have opportunities, they didn't have that, you know, muscle memory of, you know, having any good spells of possession or good spells of passing where, um, they felt comfortable enough to put it on frame or being a composed enough to, to do it. Cause they were rushing their chances. They were definitely rushing. Right. Yeah. And, and I, uh, like I said, I rewatched the match a little bit today and I know the narrative became after the second half, well, how long until Seattle cut this lead in half and how long until Seattle get on the scoreboard and Doug watching at home? What did you think? Did you think it was a matter of time before Seattle, uh, hit the scoreboard or did you think that crew was going to keep shutting it down? I know like Thomas said in the stadium, every one of those shots looked so close and, and they were just, uh, they were scary, but on TV, how did it look? How were you feeling? I, I think they had, I think they had three or four really, really legitimate chances. And I think they, I think Seattle, I think Thomas was right. I think Seattle rushed, rushed their opportunities. They, I mean, I, there's a reason why both of these teams are in the MLS Cup. You know, Seattle's really good, and Seattle can, can score a lot of goals, and they have a lot of offensive firepower. And so I, I was not – I was – I don't want to say expecting a goal, but I felt as though one was going to, going to happen. I thought, I thought maybe one and then get another one back. Um, I, I, never, I never quite had the feeling that, oh, man, they're going to score two goals because I just didn't – it didn't – they it didn't you know they they talk about oh there's there there's some goals left in this game I I didn't think CL had two in them but um you know th- those chances were really good and and Elo Elo room was was stood on his head and the and Mensa and Josh Williams were were smothering but I think Seattle kind of I think if if you, they went back I think they'd like a couple of those back because. They, they should have converted a couple of them and, and whether it's, whether it was confidence, whether it was just bad luck, you know, there, there's or a reason. Yeah. A like room in a lot of cases. And, and, you know, they, they, they were nervy chances. I was, I was, <laughs> but never, never quite, never, never. I never thought they were going to, I, I felt confident the entire time. At least that's what my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, when I say a comprehensive defensive performance, in the first half, uh, we saw what we're used to with crew with 
uh, Awful and Valenzuela pushing forward, almost acting as midfielders. And uh, the second half, it, it shifted when, when crew couldn't seem to get on the front foot. We saw a lot of uh, Diaz and Etienne coming back and, and almost playing fullbacks. And that's why the crew is such a dangerous team is our fullbacks can act as wingers, our wingers can act as fullbacks, and you have this just comprehensive attack and defense. And we had so many moments of just brilliance from the defense. The one that really sticks out in my mind, I, I remember uh, – I can't remember what Seattle attacker had the ball, but they it seemed like they had beat the defense. Uh, he, he got past Williams, and it was one-on-one with Eloy Room where I thought this is the goal. And you see Williams rush back from behind him, just wrap his foot around, get the ball without drawing a foul, which is incredible. And it ends up going out for a corner. And you even saw at that point where Williams starts doing the, the Caleb Porter shuffle. He was pumped up. <laughs> about himself and he deserved it it was moments like that and then Aiden Morris there was a moment I can't remember I think it was in the second half where Seattle passes in the midfield Morris isn't even close to this ball does this mad 10-yard dash just sprint and intercepts this ball it was so impressive and it was like you talk about him mimicking Nagby it was a run that I don't even think Nagby would have made the speed and the Morris plays with a certain fire, and it's it's really fun to watch. And just so much individual brilliance to stop attacks and and to get in there and disrupt. And like I said, we're not going to go over every every highlight because I I was at the match, I wasn't taking notes. But <laughs> yeah, just what what a to shut down that Seattle attack after after that twenty five minute or twenty minute stretch, and then get control back because it. It was pretty quickly where what I think it was about 20 minutes where Seattle was just massively in control. And then it was all crew after that again for a while. And then it just became kind of a, a back and forth where each team would get the ball and just attack. And then the other team would get the ball and attack. And I felt like there was another goal in the match, and, and there was. And, uh, man... We uh, like I said, if he played one match, it was worth seven million dollars, and that was Lucas Zellerion with with his second goal of the night. Columbus's third. It's a ball that kind of uh, crews attacking. They lose it. I I believe it's Diaz who gets the ball back and cuts it to Zellerion. Zellerion off his left foot, top left corner of the net. The the last two goals for Crew were impossible, impossible to block, and uh, that's what you need against Stefan Fry. Three nothing Crew. At this point, for me, it was said and done. I I know there was still, yeah, what, 10 minutes left in the match or, or whatever in regulation, but it was done for me. I I lost my marbles. Thomas, you, you lost your mind. We all lost our minds. How how, how, how are you feeling at, at 3-0 against the Sounders in the Cup at Montfrey? Man, I, it's, oh, it's poetry. That was when I was finally able to, like, oh, breathe a little bit and I was like okay even if they scored one even if they scored two I I felt okay I felt better at that point much better because you get 10 minutes left and that the defense was so sound all night it was it was great Diaz to former Liverpool guy Brad Smith who's on the Sounders over there like how many times this season have we talked about Luis Diaz ripping apart the defender who has to cover him and it was no different yeah. last night. All, all match, there was no real 
stopping him. Diaz usually, too, he's synonymous with getting close, and I'm just going to rip a shot. He didn't score any goals this year, but it wasn't due to lack of trying. That dude was right. taking shots all season. And last night... I think, I think you and well, I both that, predicted he'd score. And then who, uh, who would have guessed at the end? To be fair, in all of my massive report predictions, I think I put Luis Diaz scoring because I thought I was trying to will it into existence. I put it, if you read back at them, I put Luis Diaz, I think, in all of them as the goal scorer. But after he, um, at that point, like he took a similar shot in that area earlier in the match where I think it hit the side netting. Um, so seeing him pass it, like to Zellerayon, in that moment, he was just so wide open. I think it was it was obviously the right thing to do, but we've seen him take shots from those areas before you've seen Diaz try to take it into his own hands uh, after that goal as awesome. Like Fry was completely laid out and he still needed to be like, he needed to be like seven foot five in order to stop that goal. That's how perfect Zellerayon hit it. But um, after that, I was thinking, wow, Diaz was, he went for the assist. There was no goal. He, he did his, you know, offensive duty. He broke down the defender. Perfect pass. And I, I think a guy who was probably thirsty for a goal, at that point, the team didn't care. He didn't care. It was like, okay, let's score. Let's get another one, and let's put a nail in the coffin. And that's what, that's what happened. I and love that lot of with, with Diaz. Oh, oh, go ahead. Go. I was just, just going to say, I, I, I agree 100% because – I've I've been calling him, you know, to 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 make a, a, a another Columbus sports comparison. He reminded me a lot of Cam Atkinson for the Blue Jackets um, several years ago, where he was like, I kept calling him the master of the almost, like he was right there, and and Luis Diaz all year had just been almost right there, and and I think this is, you know, he didn't score a goal, but I think this is a little bit of his coming out party too, where he's he's becoming. Uh, a, a much more um, complete winger and, and that by not necessarily just shooting, you know, ready fire aim, he, by dishing it and, and uh, going for the assist, I think it shows a little bit more maturity, a little more experience. And I, I'm, I'm so excited to see what he does next year. So excited. Yeah. And we saw a lot of that with Columbus tonight, the, the lack of being selfish, where you you have a possibility of squeaking a shot in, but instead you take a you take a second, you look for the pass, and and you just take your time. And I mean, there's there's a reason they won three nil. It was just a comprehensive team performance, and the best we've seen crew look all year. The best possibly we've ever seen a Columbus Crew club look. I, I believe Lucas Zellerian summoned the spirit of Guillermo. To, to inhabit him and just guide him through this matchup as a, a maestro to, to use the Higuain terminology also it was a, it was a combination of all of all of the great attacking midfielders through through Columbus history in one performance and uh, you know there's a little more back and forth play but who cares uh, five minutes of added time the final whistle blows I unlike Thomas I did record this moment the final whistle because you know, there's 1500 people there. I wish more people could be there for it. And, and I, I recorded the, the moment of the final whistle blowing and, and just the stadium erupting and fireworks and fire. And oh, how, how did you feel Doug when watching on TV? Now here's one thing I will note when I watched back, 
I'm glad that Thomas were, and I were there because we get to talk about the celebration because holy crap did Fox decide that nobody needed to see a celebration. Like the final whistle blowed and it went right to commercial break. And then they gave Mensa the trophy. He lifted it right to commercial break. There was no, there was so little celebration shown on TV. And it's, I mean, it must be because it was crew, right? <laughs> but anyway, how did you feel? Oh, I, I, I stood up. I put my hands in the air and then I just fell down and I was just like, it was so, it was so, so it's almost unreal. It's almost unreal because it's just like, you know, five minutes left or five minutes of extra time. You're like, Oh, that's, that's, you know, you're, I'm feeling confident, but like, then it happens. And 2020 has been like the year of, of Lucy and Charlie Brown with the football where they, you know, you think you're getting something nice and then it gets pulled right out from underneath you. I'm like, something's going to happen. Like, you know, they're going to somehow score three goals in five minutes or something like that. And then that final, final goal or that final whistle, just, I'm glad, I, I am kind of glad that they, they cut the commercials cause I had to go to the bathroom, but you know, it was, <laughs> They had, I think they need to save time for Don, Don Garber's 45 minute speech name dropping everybody while before handing out the, the trophy. But I'm sorry, yeah. did you say Don Garber gave a speech? I don't remember hearing a speech from Don Garber. Let me just tell you guys, I, I'm glad you bring that up. You, I was, it was beautiful hearing that, that, that the shower of booze on him because it was just like it was <laughs> so classic, insufferable. The only way he could have been more on brand for insufferable Don Garber is if he had, if he had called Jonathan Menza, uh, you know, Guillermo called call Scaletto, you know, like, like that yeah. the only way he could have been worse at it. Like, if you know, Jimmy Mensa, Columbus yeah. crew captain, Jimmy Mensa. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I want to get into Garber and I want to get into the celebration, but before that, just immediate reactions, uh, Thomas, that moment. You were at the 2015 MLS Cup. Uh, I believe. I believe before the match, you and Adam were talking about how you were both there, and you you walked out of that stadium uh, with just depression in your stomach and just this. this I felt depression 27 that. seconds into the match, and then again in a right. couple minutes later, like that was <laughs> that was the polar opposite of everything that happened last night. And if there's if there's something that you want to cleanse the palate, <laughs> cleanse the palate of of something like that 2015 MLS Cup, it was last night. It was last night. I was on a um, podcast from folks from uh, St. Louis. Their team is coming in a few years, but they did like a MLS Cup preview. And they were talking about, is this kind of like the end of the Save the Crew movement now? And like this chapter's over and now it's a new stadium. Right. I kind of see like last night and getting rid of the 2015 MLS cup. I think this match, I think Steve Clark slept really well last night because people aren't going to think too much about that anymore. Hopefully they don't, but the save the crew movement and the new stadium and all that, I think this is like a level up. Like you play a video game for a certain amount of time and then you reach that next level. I think Columbus has last night's match ending Montfrey stadiums postseason history with that championship and moving into a new stadium, I think this team and this, the supporters and everything, I think we've leveled up to a new, a new like point where uh, stuff Such like the 2015 MLS cup is gone. And save the crew is always going to be part of the history, but now we're even stronger because of it. 
and this team is just going to move on into uh, into bigger and better things. I think. I I, I think I, I have the same. I have the exact same feeling. Is that that you know it is so emblematic of the difference in leadership and difference in ownership, um, and and the difference in just a much more um, complete and competent and functional franchise. You know, my first couple of experiences at crew games when I was very, very much a casual fan, it was, you know, deep in the Anthony pre-court fan experience where it was like nothing worked and you couldn't, you couldn't use digital tickets. And like, it was just like very clearly a Cracker Jack operation. And to see the stuff that the Haslam's are already doing to see it's so, you know, so, so functional, so, so quickly it, I, leveling up is the exact right term. And I think, I think, you know, both D Haslam and, and Bez this week, this past week, we're talking about how like, this is the, the beginning, this isn't the final product. And so, you know, I, I'm as excited as I am. And as much as uh, in the moment I'm going to be with this, I am equally as excited for the future too. Yeah, I think I think even as the final whistle blew, the announcer on Fox said uh, they saved the crew and now the crew are MLS Cup champions for the second time. And I think that that's it. I think like like Thomas said, save the crew. I, I feel like tonight was the bow. Tonight was the final chapter in save the crew where now this team is no longer defined by being the team that almost wasn't here. And this team is no longer defined by Anthony Precourt and what he did to the team and the fight to save the team. We saved the team. The team fought for us. Like the old motto, we fight for you, you fight for us. They fought, they won an MLS cup. Columbus, even though it was 1500 of us, it felt like, it felt like a million. We got to boo the crap out of Garber it was the perfect bow to where now we are no longer defined by Save the Crew. We move forward as MLS Cup champions with an ownership group that is just investing into this team and this city, a new stadium where we're bringing the champion team into. We have Zeller on, we have Nagby, we have, we have just this all-star studded roster where you could see this team repeating or coming back or being a constant presence in the playoffs, in the postseason, and, and it's not like it was – it didn't feel like a fluke. It didn't feel like a, well, well, how the hell did they get here? It was consistent through the season. Columbus was the best team in the league. And then, you know, injuries, the, the way this season is, it derailed us for a moment, and it, the league just wanted to write the crew off at that point. And, well, okay, actually, Philadelphia, oh, and Toronto, oh, Orlando, everybody but crew was talked about at that spell where – then, you know, we went from number one in the power rankings to, like, ten overnight with, like, one loss. It's, you can't wait to just move on past talking about Columbus. And you don't have a choice anymore. Columbus is the MLS Cup champions. You don't have a choice but to talk about Columbus. And uh, before we move on to the, the celebration, do, you, do either of you have anything else you, uh, you need to say? I, I know we need to wrap it up. Yeah, I know. We've talked for a minute. Um, I, I want to share something because after the match was over, we went to, uh, well, I'll, I'll rewind a little bit. They, uh, when I covered one of the matches for Massive Report, I went there to take photos um, for a couple of the matches this season. Uh, for the New York match, 
they gave everybody in the media these like together scarves, you know, the hashtag that everyone loves um, the together hashtag. They uh, um, gave these scarves um, away to all the media people. And I was like, Oh, this is a nice gesture to hand them out. And I wasn't expecting anything like that. But after the match last night, we went up to the Lamar hunt trophy or not the trophy, but the statue, excuse me. If you don't know anything about like his track and stuff look it up it's a long story but lamar fought really hard to get a stadium in columbus that was one of his goals was i need to get a stadium in columbus and he got the stadium in columbus so last night after the match we went to the statue and there was like a line people were all going to the statue paying their respects i put down that together scarf like put it across the statue other people had already put down stuff on the statue and it's crazy because the date that lamar hunt passed away was December 13th. Today is the anniversary of when Lamar Hunt passed away. And the night before that anniversary of, you know, his passing and the legacy he's left, Columbus won the cup that he, the, the cup wouldn't exist without him. You could say whatever you want about his family and how the crew were sold to pre-court and all that stuff. But it, it, some of the best writers couldn't write stuff like that. And I think that just hearing, uh, seeing that it end that way. Um, and now it's not the last match in Mopfrey, but the last match of substance okay. in Mopfrey was, um, it, it's amazing to see all that stuff line up and how uh, it's, it's almost like it borderlines fate for stuff like this happening. Well, like I said, we, we, we got to wrap up soon and we have an, enormously unreal amount of career reviews that we need to get through. So I got to get to that very soon, but I just want to say immediately after the final whistle, the, the team starts gathering around the stage uh, to be presented the trophy before anything happens. Caleb Porter sprints to the Nordeca and just celebrate. <laughs> he went around the stadium. After, he went around the whole stadium. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. He did around the whole yeah. And then, um, you know, the trophies presented, like I said, I couldn't hear Don Garber's speech because of the amount of booze. And it was, that's what Columbus needed. It was lethargic. And uh, I did hear, I did watch it back and uh, he was, he was stumbling and mumbling and tripping over his words. And I could see it in the stadium, but you could actually on TV, you see Jonathan Mensa turn around and just try to get us stop. And uh, even D Haslam tries to get us to stop. And it's, there's, God himself could have asked Columbus to stop booing at that moment. And it would not have happened. We have waited a long time to get the boo Garver like this. So just incredible moment. Uh, Caleb Porter brings the players up one by one with the trophy and, and has them raise the trophy brings D up who can barely lift the trophy needs quite a bit of help. It was adorable. Uh, Dr. P a bunch of people. I don't even know just Porter <laughs> one by one, bringing people up. And, and I know Porter actually made a point of saying, I've never lifted the trophy. That's for my team. He lifted the trophy tonight, which I thought was cool because I mean, the man deserves it. And before we get into crew reviews, the last thing I'll say is, uh, in 2015, if I told you five years from now, this Nordeca is going to be chanting Caleb Porter, Caleb Porter, <laughs> who would have believed that? Oh, all that all that guy does at MLS Cups in Columbus is win. All he does is win MLS Cups in Columbus, and I'm okay with that now. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, 
before we get into the crew reviews, the final segment of the night, let's go ahead. Uh, I'm not doing a best and worst tonight. Columbus is the best, best team in the world. Every other team is the worst, worst team in the world. That's all there is to it. There's, there's no sense arguing it. Uh, Columbus, your 2020 MLS Cup champions. If you want to do a best and worst, you hit me up on Twitter, and I'll I'll uh, laugh at you for even trying. It's what a what a team. What a team effort. The team absolutely deserved it. So before we before we do the crew reviews, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and let you guys do your plugs. Thomas and Doug, I w- I would say just judging off of the fan interaction I've had this season, you guys are my best best co-host. People like you for some reason. I don't I don't like Thomas whatsoever. Doug, I'm I'm pretty fond of you. But uh, Thomas, everyone likes Doug. It, Doug, Doug's a lovable fella. Thomas, why don't you tell these people uh, where they can find you and uh, what, what are you going to be up to in this offseason? Um, one Thomas Costello on the Twitter. I also started an Instagram page just for like media-like stuff, not anything um, too personal, but just stories and photos and stuff. Um, Brian Me is also a Twitter account and a podcast that I record with my best pal, my best pal Brian. So, uh, no, in the offseason... There are a lot of stories that I've interviewed supporters groups and I haven't written them. I've interviewed individuals and I haven't written their stories. So this off season is going to be spent telling a lot of the um, stories of supporters and supporters groups alike. So still going to be writing through the off season. I'm still excited to, to share people's uh, stories, even probably more than the day-to-day matches. I think writing those stories is what I really enjoy to do. Absolutely. And uh Doug, how about you? Where where can these people find you? I'm on Twitter at I am Doug Hildreth, um, and I'm going to be similar to Thomas. I, I came to Massive with the idea of not so much the the, the game to game, you know, minutia thing of, of my big my big passion. Something I'm going to keep building on, and if anyone out there has ideas, I'd love to hear them. Is is engaging the casual fan, and and I I have a kind of a reoccurring article that I lovingly call soccer for dummies. Um, and it's just as much for me as it is for other people as I, <laughs> I am, I am fairly new to the whole soccer experience and I've, and I've jumped in with both feet and I have loved learning about it. And I think um, I'm excited to build, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to spread the gospel of crew and the gospel of soccer because I think it's a ton of fun. And I think the city will support a winning championship or a winning uh, franchise and, so in the off season, I'm going to be looking for more opportunities on, on kind of explaining things because I think a lot of, you know, the, the barrier of entry is just not everybody knows how in-depth how in depth this game is. And so looking forward to doing that, looking forward to, um, you know, gearing up because, I mean, we're not all that too far away from a new season starting, hopefully. So, yeah, yeah, I believe Garber uh, through the midst of the booze said March. So, Doug, I love the idea of that, though, Soccer for Dummies. I, I, um, I many years ago tried to do a series on MLS 101 is what I called it. So any, any way we can get the word out there and get people to understand the game and watch the game, it's, I, I'm all for it. For, for us, you can find the show on Twitter at Crew Review Pod. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew Atkins SC. As always, if you subscribe to us, rate us, review us, it helps a lot. For all of your crew news, updates, and analysis, go to Massive Report, and you can follow them on Twitter at Massive Report. So we got a, a, just a plethora of crew reviews to get through, and uh, 
I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see what you guys thought about the game. So uh, the final segment of the night's a, a thing we call hashtag my crew review, where we turn to you, the listeners, where you can leave your reviews on Twitter. I, I drop a thread or you can use the hashtag my crew review. Wouldn't you know it? There's, there's a lot of things that people want to say about the, uh, about the match tonight. The first one is from Jeff R at physics is real. He said that game was the goodbye Montfrey stadium deserved. Next one comes from our friends at Queen Anne's Revenge, uh, and they say, all we can say is, wow, we couldn't be more, I think he means more proud of this team. He just said we couldn't be more of this team. And our fellow crew supporters, special thanks to Andrew, Thomas, Zach, and Adam for repping Quar so well last night. And then uh, the next one comes from Sir Ernest Shackleton at Crew Forever. He said, Aiden Morris was awesome. How good is Nagby if he starts in front of Morris? I need a jersey with his name on it. Next one comes from Massive at T. Beal 87 said, complete domination. That is all. That is all it's ever going to be because Columbus is the world's greatest team. Then we go to EZ at Eric Zarins, he says, despite being a Toronto fan at the time, I was part of Save the Crew movement, or part of the Save the Crew movement, which introduced me to a very passionate community and friends much better than Toronto. Now I prefer the crew for its fans. Winning the MLS Cup was more than another championship. It was healing. And we talked about that. This, this was, it was lethargic, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, we go to Chris WWFC Wood at WWFC Ohio, and he just drops a gif, uh, a gif, a gif of uh, of a Simpson saying, "Hook it in my veins." Next is Shawshank SC at Shawshank SC, who says domination as it should be. We got two man. I'm telling you, that we could have just done this as the podcast today. We got two from Connor Davis at Sconner Davis, and he says. While they may have not had the impact Santos and Nagby could or would have had, Morris and Etienne Jr. gave it their all and fulfilled their duties in the 11 to enable Zellerion and the other players to play at their game-changing best, and for that they should be lauded. Speaking of Zellerion, my feelings based on gut reaction say that with one single season, he has become a crew legend. Without him, we are not where we are today. And then he speaks in some Portuguese, which I don't speak. Next one goes... From Sons of a Pitch, an American pod, an American soccer podcast at SOP Soccer says three goals from 35% possession. Talk about executing your game plan. Love the energy, pressure, and turning the defense to offense. I should have had you pull some of these up so you could have read them too. Uh, your <laughs> voice sounds here. better than mine, Andrew. My voice is not doing nearly as well, so I, I, I'm going to let you keep uh, using those velvet pipes to to serenade me with all of these great takes. I appreciate that. Next one comes from Kathy at Kathing six of seven says they came, played their game and stayed strong for the whole 90. The Columbus crew, Dr. Pete Edwards, D Haslam and save the crew deserve this. And then she does the nice little two ninety six of their hashtag that we love so much. Next one comes from mm-hmm. my friend, Jason Palmer at PZ for life said, I am still speechless. What a way to cap 2020. Then uh, we got another one from Sir Ernest Shackleton, who says, uh, the tweet before the game by FC Cincinnati was a disgrace. We should get hashtag um, FFC Cincinnati and relegate FC Cincinnati to start trending. Uh, Cincinnati's trolls, man. They hate us because they ain't us, right? And they they tried to do a little uh, – there were two two congratulation tweets after the game that – 
one was from FC Cincinnati and one was from Austin FC. And it's like, we don't need it. You can save uh, that. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Uh, then we got, we got Massive Gnomes at Massive Gnomes says, Aiden, Aiden Morris for student body president. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, oh, he's going to be the prom king now. He's going to be the prom king. Without a doubt. I'm going to butcher this name. It's Andrew Jaquez, Jaquez at AP Jaquez says, Sublime. That's a good review. Sam Fami at Studio 79 says, The most complete game by the Columbus crew this year against a very strong opponent. In fact, this was textbook domination. Next man up, and they were still all the best, best. Then uh, Another one. Do, 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 Another one. That's, that's, oh, all right. I thought we were done, but we got... My old pal Dubs, I don't think he's missed the game yet, at Olivia's Dad 17, said that cross from Awful was pinpoint accurate for the first. I think it's safe to sell, say Zellerion paid back his entire transfer fee in one night. Morris showed that he is the one to watch for the future. Crew did it without arguably two of their best. Dominant first half, the crew smothered Seattle. Crew had all of the chances. Seattle had 25 minutes of solid pressure. To be fair, Seattle has one had one of the better chances after halftime the third goal killed the game party time ensued that is it for the hashtag my crew reviews i love it i love that that uh the first episode i did i posted that that my crew review thread and i got a whopping zero and then i think the next week you gave me one because you felt bad for me so to see uh <laughs> to see the interaction it feels really good and we have uh, something important to talk about to close out the pod but before we do and I'm sorry, Thomas. I'm sorry, people. I know we've gone forever. Uh, we actually lost Doug. He had to drop out and deuce out on us. But before we close out, I just want to say this podcast is not going anywhere. Uh, it, I, I'm, I haven't decided. I believe we're going to go to a biweekly format for the time being because I've done a whole lot of podcasts and not a whole lot of time. Uh so what we're going to be doing is the next episode is going to actually be the uh, the end of the season awards, or as I like to call it, the cruisies. And uh, we're going to be giving out we're going to be giving out some some prestigious prizes. We're going to be naming uh, the best defender, the best midfielder. We have the Jossie Zardes Award. Uh, I have an award for the 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 best hot take and the and the worst cold take. Uh, so. I'm excited about the cruisies. I'm going to try to get a panel together for that episode. Also, we have a uh, crew season review or a season crew review where uh, Pat Murphy, the editor of Massive Report, will be joining me and breaking down the entire season. We're going to give our best best and our worst best of the season. We're going to, uh, yeah, we're going to give our emotional overreaction. I'm going to try to get Pat Murphy to give me some emotion and show some emotion <laughs> and open back to this matchup. If any of you know Murphy, he's a, he's a very analytical, he's a consummate guy. professional. He's a consummate professional. <laughs> he's the so man. the he opposite really of the opposite of me. And once we get past those two episodes, we're going to be doing some, uh, we're going to be doing some interviews that I'm, I'm working hard on getting lined up. And then we're going to do uh, news reviews as transfers happen or you know and anything big we'll do some stadium updates so stay tuned to your favorite columbus crew podcast the crew review i'm going to uh, keep bringing you content through the off season that way you don't forget about us and listen to bryant and me and uh and just move on completely so i have a lot of things coming up in the off season i'm really excited about i i can't wait until uh 
I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to get uh, a little bit of time off of doing these reviews, but I also can't wait to do it again. I mean, what a season to start this podcast. And uh, I've met a lot of awesome people along the way through Massive Report and through Crew Review. And I just want to take a, a second to thank everybody who's come on this podcast, everybody at Queen Anne's Revenge, uh, the Nordeca, just the people who have reached out and supported this show and everybody who's come on and hosted this show. Thomas Costello, you were instrumental in helping me start this show up. And uh, it's only poetic that you are my final co-host. I appreciate you so much for for everything you've given to this show too and uh for being there when when the crew won the cup with me it was an awesome time but so uh that that's it that's it for all my uh my ramblings and and my waxing poetic i just i had to i had to say some some nice things about you uh andrew i'll lift the i'll lift the veil of sarcasm real quick i'll lift my constant veil of sarcasm and joking and telling you that i'd love to listen to your that I'd love to listen to your podcast one day. Um, removing all that, putting it to the side. No, it, uh, just getting to know you, not just through the crew, but just like personally. And if you don't know, Andrew, this dude's working like 60, 70 hours a week. He's got kids at home. He's, he's got so much going on and still putting everything into what you love and something that you really enjoy. I, I think that it shows. And I'm really thankful to, have been not just at the match last night, which was amazing, but I hold the the texts and the recording and all that. I, I put that up there with just as uh, just as awesome moments in my life. So uh, thank you for for letting me be along with the ride for a little bit. I'm still not going to be permanent co-host, but I do appreciate uh, <laughs> I do appreciate everything that this show does, and I, I think it's I think it's enjoyable, and I think people like it just because you know. It's it's real folks talking about it and bringing a little personality and enjoying life a little bit, even though um, there are matches like against Montreal. But I, I've really enjoyed the season, even if it's only been the a few matches. News, I've enjoyed it. The good news is the matches like the one against Montreal. Nobody listens to the podcast. They only listen to the wins and the playoffs. So the, the, the great news is this episode should perform great. But if it's a if it's a Montreal, you see them numbers dip real low. So uh, uh, before we get out of here for the final time of the season, uh, there is a cause that Thomas and I are both pretty passionate about and uh, and really believe in. It's it was set up by Queen Anne's Revenge, I believe, or they're partnering with. Uh, this cause and Thomas, do you mind uh, just giving a quick plug and letting the people know about this? Yeah, for sure. Um, Quar, uh, as everyone knows and everyone calls them, Quar, um, they're doing a give back, which they did at the beginning of the season for Christmas. They did a resource drive through Warm, which is a Westerville group that aims to provide resources, food, diapers, toilet paper, and etc., to people who need it in their community. So. Even through this pandemic, uh, Queen Anne's Revenge is still working to do that. And they have right now the two North High Brewing locations. Um, at both locations, they have drop boxes where you can make donations of things like toilet paper, canned food, um, diapers, certain size diapers and whatnot. Um, there's a whole list on Twitter. If you go to the Queen Anne CCSC Twitter page, you can find it there. But yeah, it's, um, it's a really great cause that they're doing. Actually wrote a story about it, disconnected myself from being, you know, a member of the group and just got some information about it and all the stuff uh, Quar has been through. And 
there are things that I don't know. There are many more active members than I within that group. Um, and they're doing a lot of great stuff. Um, and I think it's, it's worth your time to look into it. Um, so get those donations. And if you can't make a physical donation, I'm sure Warren will take your money. I'm sure they could spend it better than we could, but yeah, they're, um, they do great work and I'm looking forward to seeing how successful it is. Absolutely. It's been a, it's been a tough year for a lot of people. I know this year has, uh, it's done a number on, on my mental health of a few different times and, uh, anything you can do to help people out and to give back to people who, who have it a lot worse than us, because, you know, it, it's been a tough year for me, but it hasn't, you know, I thank God, nobody that I, I personally know has really been affected too terribly by this. And, you know, I'm still able to go to work and make a living, but not everybody's that fortunate. So if you have the ability to give back, uh, I am, I implore you to look into that and do that. And I talk about this year being a tough mental year for me and it has, and I will say, this this MLS Cup run <laughs> for Columbus it shows the impact and the meaning of sports because in a year like 2020 to feel as good as I felt last night and today and and I'm sure I'm going to be riding this cloud for a while it means everything and uh, so thank you to Columbus Crew for giving me something to distract me from this year although I I question the ethics of playing this year and I question MLS and the way they went about things. It was the escape that, that we all needed. And with that, the season is over, and that is the final crew review for this year. Thomas Costello, thank you so much for being here. As always, for Master Report, and, and thank you, Doug, too, by the way. Doug Doug dipped out, but thank you, Doug, for being here. He had to go. We went real long. As always, he for left an hour I three, mean, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to close the show. Okay, Thomas, do you I have one more thing I did want to share before <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm just kidding. No, I I'm waiting now. We can go all day. No, I have nothing else. Yeah, that's right you do. Now don't interrupt my outro. As always from Hazard Sport, I'm Andrew Atkins. Glory to Columbus, go crew, and we will see you next time when we review the crew or okay. we do other things because We'll be here anyway. Bye. See ya.